All right, we're going to continue this morning in our sermon series called Marked. It's actually a study of the Gospel of Mark. If you've not been with us, it's been going on for a while, and we're kind of wrapping the series up now. We're probably in the home stretch a few weeks here. It's really crazy because where we've been is this long journey with Jesus, and we've been hearing about his life and his, his adventures and his travels and all those things. But man, it's really coming together to the point of Jesus' ministry. I mean, it's really funny to me. You can walk around our culture and you can, you can see people wearing crosses. You can uh, hear people talking about Jesus, even maybe the gospel, even maybe Jesus Christ. Um, and yet, if we don't understand the end of his earthly ministry, we understand nothing about Jesus. I was reading this week someone talking about they were a follower of Jesus. They just take all his human teachings and apply them to their lives. I would argue that's not a follower of Jesus at all. Because Jesus was not about his earthly life alone. He was about this eternal plan that God had for all people. And if you missed that part, if you missed the end of the Gospel of Mark, you missed the entire point. We ought to know that when we look at the Word of God, that Jesus came to communicate something to his people, and it was more than his earthly life, and certainly more than his earthly death, but it was his heavenly uh, dwelling and responsibility. So if you've not been with us, it, Jesus kind of does all this stuff. And no matter how long you've been around Jesus, you know he's done a lot of stuff, a lot of miracles, a lot of teaching and stuff like that. But this is the end of his life where he's, he's facing Jerusalem. And he's actually in Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. He's there with all the other Israelites celebrating Passover and challenging them in the temple courts. And we know if you've been here for a while that he's been there about three days before today, this, today's message. He's been about three days kind of teaching groundbreaking things about the kingdom of God. This blowing people's minds. And some people love it, and some people hate it, and some people are ready to kill him for it. That's what the gospel says. So I want you to know that's where we're at today. We're going to do what we always do. We, I know we prayed a couple times already this morning in Family Bible. We're going to pray again. We, we believe that this is the inspired word of God. And we believe that you're God's people and that the Holy Spirit can inspire you to understand it. And that's what we're going to ask for this morning, that God would teach us himself the way I know him more fully today together. It's a miracle if it happens. It's a miracle. That's our prayer. Pray with me if you would. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are God, that you exist, and, and that you created everything for your glory. And this morning we just stand in awe and in humble humiliation before you because you are worthy. Father, we confess that we so often think the world revolves around us. And you remind us in love and patience that it, it revolves around you. Father, we praise you for your glory. We praise you for your condescension to us, that you would teach us. Who are we that you'd be mindful of us? Father, we love you so much. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We know that the, the journey is always easy, and we lean on you in those hard times. We beg you to show up in hard times. We, we praise you in those good times, Father. But what we want ultimately is to never be out of a relationship with you. No matter what comes, Father, may you forbid it that we would be cast from your presence. We love you so much. We thank you for this time this morning. We do pray that prayer for wisdom, that your Holy Spirit would come and teach us this morning through your word. We don't enter into it lightly, but we look for you. Would you teach us in our hearts? Would you change our minds? Would you conform us to your will and give us your plan for our lives? We, we are made for your glory. Show us how to live that out. We pray these things in the mighty, binding, and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
If you brought a Bible this morning, we're going to be in Mark 14. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one on the chair uh, next to you, the end of the chair rows. You can ask your neighbor, hey, grab that Bible for me. We got extra Bibles if you didn't have one this morning. I know some of you have Bibles on your phone. That's totally cool. Pull out your phone. There's actually Wi-Fi here if you need Wi-Fi for that, and you can uh, get on there. It's on page 710 of our Bibles in the chair rows. This can be on whatever page is in yours, obviously. And we're just going to start here in 14. We're going to kind of ease back into this series on Mark here. 14.1 says this, Now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way, some sly way to arrest Jesus and to kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. I want to stop for a minute. I know it's only two verses. I want to stop just for a minute and talk. So we said this is the, that was previously the third day he was in Jerusalem for the Passover feast, right? I was doing some math here, some rough math. And you know the day that Jesus was crucified for our sins is called, called Good Friday, right? And tradition says that it was on a Friday he died on the cross. Three days in the tomb, raised on the Sunday, the third day, raised from the dead. And if you do some math here and you think about them coming in, then my math would say this is about Wednesday now. They're, they're about four days into the Passover feast or, or two days before the Passover celebration, the week-long culmination. That would actually work perfectly that he had come into Jerusalem on a Sunday. Do you remember the triumphal entry, right? He came in on a donkey, the colt, whatever it was. That would have been a Sunday he entered and then a Sunday he was raised. And so a lot of things are happening very quickly here. But in the middle of this, and if you haven't been here, you might go, well, why? Look, it says, they were seeking, the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sneaky way to arrest Jesus and to kill him. And you might think, well, that's interesting, but that's not a new thing. The things that Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom of God and who God is has been undermining the authority that, the, that, the, peop, that the, um, the priests and the teacher of the law have been using to control people, to, to make them conform to the way I want you to be. And they had lost their way. And this teaching was undermining everything that they believed was true about God. And so you'll remember that several times, right, they've conspired to kill Jesus, but not yet. They've wanted to kill him, but not yet. And then here you'll notice that two days before the Passover meal, they decided, let's be sneaky. Well, the word says arrested. I mean, the NIV says arrested, but it means the lay hold of, right? Just to go and grab somebody and take them away. You can think of like a kidnapping in the middle of the night, like the hood over the head thing, like no one's going to catch us doing this. As a matter of fact, if you're an astute scholar of Scripture, you know that they came for him, didn't they, at night? And so here, there's this idea they're going to sneak, they're going to quietly separate Jesus. But you know what they said here? They said, but let's don't do it during the festival. Let's don't do it, what does the word say? Not during the feast. Why? Because the people might riot. I just want to make sure I was right. You see what it says there? The people might riot. <laughs> because the people were loving what Jesus was teaching in Jerusalem. You, you mean God lets me in the inner courts? You mean, you mean God has a place for me in his kingdom? You mean I should be aware of those who are being all legalistic about the things of God, like I can earn my salvation? You, you mean that I'm part of what God is doing? Revolutionary. And, and if you don't think it's revolutionary, I would challenge you to walk around the world and tell people they're part of God's plan in his kingdom. Often they will say, not me. That's for church people. 
as for that really sweet old lady that's lived the perfect life down the street. Spoiler alert, she didn't live a perfect life. <laughs> she may not be a sweet old lady. <laughs> Sinners, saved by grace. The people are going to riot if they take Jesus. First of all, because they love his teaching. Fair enough. Secondly, because it's the high holiest day. It would be the most insulting thing to take a rabbi from the people during the Passover just because of your own selfishness. Because of your own evil intent. And they knew they would be caught. Why, why make a big deal? Listen, if you know anything about the scriptures, their plan won't come to fruition. I'm like, no, wait a minute. No, they, they do arrest him, right? They do take him in and they get him killed on the cross. Yeah, they do, but not according to their timeline. They want to wait till after the feast for this. They want to they keep it the way it is. They're going to they're gonna have this Passover like it's always happened. We're going we're gonna to keep control of this. And, then, and at the end, we're going to sneak in there and grab Jesus. We're going to take him away and we are going to kill him. You have to see the evil in this. Um, you might even see the complete neglect of God in this. They never, they would never have any recording that because God willed it so. You remember later whenever Paul was persecuting Christians, he was Saul, and he thought he was doing God's will, but, but there's none of that here. We have had it with Jesus. We have a plan. They'd have been wise to read their own scriptures. And better you would say, if God wills it. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So they have this plan, some sneaky way, I love a sneaky way to take Jesus and kill him, but not during the feast where people will see it because they'll, they'll know, oh, oh, intention, they'll immediately know that's not appropriate. All right, second movement here in this short text. Verse three, while he, who, Jesus, was in Bethany, you remember that Jesus has been coming and going to Bethany every, every day, it seems. He would go into Jerusalem, come back to Bethany. Go into Jerusalem, come back to Bethany. Right? It was this, this um, almost ritual of participation in the Passover. Going to Jerusalem to teach in the temple courts and going back out to Bethany. And so here he is reclining at the table. Look what it says. At the home of a man known as Simon the leper. A woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and she, she poured out the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, um, actually it's angrily, they were angrily saying to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. I just want to stop for a minute and talk about this scene, right? Jesus reclining at the table. Can we just think about that for a minute? <laughs> like, whenever we think about Jesus, I don't know how you think about Jesus. If, if Jesus shows up at my house, I'm going to show, I'm going to have a suit on. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be, act right, kids. <laughs> Jesus is here. I mean, do you think that? Like, if Jesus came to your house to have dinner, I bet it would be spotless. I don't care how much of a slob you are like me. You'd be like dusting stuff. Like, it's the Savior, man. Like, this is the Messiah. Like, get ready. Jesus is coming to my house. Wait, Simon the leper. <laughs> Remember lepers, right? The untouchable people, the unclean people. And we get this beautiful uh, reality. I wouldn't call it an image because of reality that Jesus is lounging, which I know is the custom of the day to sit 
in the lounge together. You ate meals differently. I, I get that. If you've traveled other cultures, you know that you eat differently in other cultures. You don't break bread like you do here. We don't, you don't sit there with forks and knives and napkins all the time and chairs and tables. But I want us to see his comfort with Simon the leper. I don't know a lot about Simon the leper. Maybe some of you do. But I know if you called me Bill the leper, it would probably not be a compliment. Even if I've been healed, you probably wouldn't want to come to my house for a meal. Because, you know, leprosy was contagious, right? You didn't touch. You were unclean. And here we have Jesus in the middle of Passover. Celebration, the feast. He's sitting with Simon the leper. Reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. That's so beautiful, and we ought to see it. In the middle of this meal. I mean, I just, I just want to sit one more second. Can you imagine being comfortable at your table with Jesus? How many of us like put on airs and stuff? Just, no, no, no. Be who you are. Jesus, no, I, I know who you are. Just, just be who you are, and I'll be who I am. Which is going to be all the more important when he is known as Savior. You, you be who you are, sinner. I'll be who I am, Savior. So he's reclining at the table. They're hanging out, and then here's this crazy story of this woman who comes with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. I just want to talk about it for a second, right? I'm like, okay, what's an alabaster jar? It, do anyone have any idea what an alabaster jar is? I always thought an alabaster jar would be like really pretty, some special like mineral from the earth that was like blue or green. You ever seen those things that light up like they fluoresce, you know, or I thought it'd be something really uh, ornate and, you know, and I looked it up so I had to know, and alabaster is just a type of stone. Matter of fact, some of you may have seen an alabaster jewelry case. You ever seen those little cases that are carved out of stone? Some of those are alabaster, right? And, and so it's just a container for something, but it's for something precious, so she has this alabaster jar, and then I thought for a minute, well, maybe alabaster was like the brand, <laughs> you know? Like, maybe what was inside was alabaster. Like, it was a jar, because we all think of a glass jar, filled with alabaster. That's not what it is. It's a made of alabaster. It says it right here. What is it? And if I fucking make it a big deal, it's because it's going to be a big deal, right? She comes with an alabaster jar of what? Very expensive perfume. Very expensive perfume. So she brings it into the house. Now, you and I might go, hey, I, I got some pretty expensive perfume, right? I remember back in my young days, when I was chasing the ladies, I would drop like 60, 70 bucks on some perfume. It was called cologne, because I'm a dude. Dudes don't wear perfume. They wear cologne. <laughs> and they don't wear their dad's cologne, because that's awkward. <laughs> so you go out, you go to them, you find that cologne that everyone's like, oh, it's so now, it's so in the moment. And you just pour it on. I remember whenever I would go to camp, whenever I was a teenager, we would just bathe in cologne before we went to the mess hall. Because first of all, camp, you stink. You always stink at camp. And, but it was just awful. We thought it was awesome. You know, I think it's, you know, I know it's awful. I've been to camp now as an adult, and it's awful. <laughs> Those kids, like, but you know what's worse? <laughs> the kids that don't wear any cologne. <laughs> Uh, my first year, I was sixth grade boys. Woo! Man, they stink. Oh, uh, it's awesome. Expensive, though. You go, okay, maybe, what, 110 bucks at the mall? Right? We have some other tellings of the story. We get some ideas of what this costs. Um, the Gospel of John says it was about 300 denarii. A denarii was a day's wages. 
right? So uh, if you do the math on this, um, right now, I, did, I, I looked into this, right? The average American makes about $3,700 a month, which is pretty crazy in the globe, but we make about that much every month. Um, and then if you, if you multiply it out and then divide it by 365, multiply it by 300, you, you get about, let me see, not to be, not to be a nerd, but you, you get about $36,493.15. Think about that. $36,000 for this bottle of perfume. It's a lot. You might go, well, it was different with denarii. It was, no, it was 300 days of wages. Like, you work 300 days to buy that bottle. As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of Mark right here, it's going to tell us it takes about a year's wages. So it's about a $44,000 bottle of perfume. You start to read it differently. Wait a minute. A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Interesting. And it was made of pure nard. I don't know what nard is. Do you know what nard is? I, I've heard it's like a, 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 a thick kind of amber, you know, the, the, the material. It would have been like oil. It would have been, you know, it would have stuck to you. It would have la- like almost like the consistency of honey or, um, yeah, probably honey is a good example, you know. And, and it, would, it would just stay. It was, it was precious. It was valuable. I think the, having the word the nard in the Bible is hilarious, by the way. <laughs> nard. Anyway, okay. It's just me. I always think of Nard Dog, so it's just me. <laughs> Apologize. Uh, there it is in the Bible. Name your kids Nard. So she takes this bottle and she breaks it and pours it on Jesus. And, and um, I was thinking, so I actually brought, this is the, uh, the latest going thing. And uh, I brought it along this morning. It's not latest anymore. I'm, this is like, so 2015 or something probably. But um, and, and if you actually read it, there, there's actually instructions on here. It says, this is how you use this, this body spray. We'll call it cologne. Um, oh, it's unique. Uh, you spray it all over. Oh, but you have to spray it. What? You have to do it like this. And then, and then like this. Some of you guys know what this is about. Because it says it right there. That's a, they have a picture for guys. They have a photograph. That's how you apply it. And then you've done it right. This wasn't like this. This was like one-time use. I, I just want to make, because she breaks it. I'm like, why did she break it? Why break the jar? Why not just kind of open the jar and take a little bit and uh, be reasonable? Why, why not take, uh, even if you're a tither, 10% of your nard and <laughs> give it to Jesus? Um, but she breaks the jar and she pours it out on him. And what it seems is that this is like a one-time use thing. This is like the break in case of emergency glass thing. It's not an emergency though. This is like break in case of celebration glass thing. In case things get really crazy in your life, break this to celebrate it. It might have been prepared to, uh, it might have been reserved for burying someone you love. So you would save it t- till mom or dad dies. It would be on your, you know, a year's wages. And, and, and then you would go, and now's the time. This is the time to use it. Or maybe it would be used, and I, I don't know, maybe used for like a wedding celebration. I, I want to be ready for my husband. I want to be ready for my bride. Get the jar of nard. 
If there's going to be one day you want to impress, one day you want to bring glory, one day you want to celebrate, this is the day. Break the jar. And I just wanted to say all that because she seems to just kind of walk in and do it. Like she comes in, a woman comes in with an alabaster jar of expensive perfume made of pure nard, and she breaks the jar and pours it out on his head. And the aroma fills the room. It just, the meal is changed. And then the word says this. Some of those present were saying angrily to one another, why waste this perfume? Hmm? Why waste it? Like, she did something wrong. Why would she do that? Immediately they say this. It it, it could have been used, um, it could have been sold, here it is, for more than a year's wages, right there, right? And the money could have been given to the poor. And they began to rebuke her harshly. Something that often happens um, in Scripture is when people begin to rebuke other people harshly, Jesus steps in. Why this waste of perfume? They saw no value in what she's doing. I just want you to see it. They, they did not get it. And they even thought it was dumb. What a foolish thing to do. But by the way, not to mention that she's a woman. I mean, maybe she shouldn't even been in there. I don't know how that works. Maybe they, they didn't know what she was doing until she did it. And I'm not saying she shouldn't have been in there. I'm saying they thought she shouldn't have been in there. Don't mishear me. They didn't think... <laughs> If anyone's going to understand it, it's going to be disciples, it's, it's going to be a, a Pharisee, it's going to be somebody else, it's not going to be this woman. She's not going to get it. But she does it. Breaks this precious thing and pours it out on Jesus' head. Let's read on. Jesus says this in verse 6, leave her alone. Stop it. Why are you antagonizing her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The word means beautiful or good. Right. She's done the proper thing for me. Look at verse 7. To answer their question about the poor, the poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want to help them. But you will not always have me. Did you hear? The poor are always going to be here. And you can help me anytime you want. I just want to draw out one little point. They were eager to complain about waste that could have been sold and given to the poor all the while ignoring their own ability to help the poor. Do you see that? Do you know know people like that? Maybe it's you. Maybe it's me. Oh, that's such a waste. That that money could be used to help the poor. And we're just setting on stacks of cash. That's so wasteful. Jesus says, you're always going to have the poor, and you can help them whenever you want. You can help them right now. You don't need her alabaster jar of nard to help the poor fine detail, but interesting. He says these words. She did what she could. She did what she could. She used what she had. She had an alabaster jar of perfume. She did a beautiful thing for me. Huh. I mean, how that must have washed over her in that moment. To have just done something so extraordinary that, I mean, how many of you would waste a year's salary on Jesus? How many of you right now, would, if, if you walked in the room, would say, you are so worthy. You would just go, here's everything my family has saved up. Our nest egg, here it is, bam. Or you go, let's be reasonable. 
And in this moment of her doing this beautiful offering, this beautiful gift, she's criticized and ridiculed by people who are supposed to know better. They're like, why? What's wrong with you, woman? And she's standing there in this moment, this awesome moment. He says, this woman did a beautiful thing for me. Leave her alone. That's awesome. I can't even say how that would have felt. To have Jesus validate what you sensed was your call, your, your opportunity, your moment to bring glory to God. To have him affirm it in front of all these people who are condemning you. And he says this ridiculous thing. She only did what she could, which she did more than anyone else there would do. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to get ready to prepare it for my burial. Wait. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Jesus has been telling him, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to give my life, be raised in three days. And this woman gets it, and she goes, and she does this beautiful act. And he says, she gets it. Verse 9, I'll tell you the truth. Jesus is still speaking. Anytime the gospel is preached throughout the entire world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memory of her. Wow. Every time the gospel is preached, Jesus died for your sins throughout the entire world. You go, do you remember that woman that poured that perfume on Jesus' head to prepare him for burial? Think, what? I'm not sure I've ever heard that preached with the gospel. This idea that in this moment she sees it, I told you it was thick. Uh, I won't say sticky, but, you know, oily. If you ever had oil on you, it just, just kind of gets in everywhere, and it, it stays. It doesn't wash off very easily. Different hygiene habits. You know what I'm getting to here is that this fragrance that filled this room in Bethany with Simon the leper's house, this, this fragrance that offended people, say, oh, what a waste. And Jesus said, no, it's a good thing. That was the smell that Jesus smelled. That was the smell that when he walked into the room before Pilate, when he walked in before the authorities, when he was beaten, when that crown of thorn was pushed upon his head, this smell of this woman's offering continued to be beautiful. Like, we, we see the crucifixion of Jesus. Oh, it's a bloody mess, and it is. But here's a beautiful act of preparation. Get it? As he walked the streets, carrying the cross, the smell was there, perfumed and fragrant in the garden. It was there. We are so used to being in a culture where everything washes off the next day. Nothing lasts. Not so here two days away, and everywhere Jesus went, to smell it with him. Every time the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she's done will be told. Man, isn't that awesome? <laughs> I was trying to, like, does that mean every time the gospel is preached, this is our response, our alabaster jar, you know, what we pour on Jesus' head? But this is done before the sacrifice, you know? This is somebody who gets it before it happens. She's like, oh, this is a big deal. She's being obedient to God. And because of that, she will always be remembered for what she did for Jesus. Look at verse 10. Just then, Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. Isn't that a quinky dink? Right? Right after this moment of lament, how could this woman wait? You know, the poor need all this money. And Judas, who had had enough of this, goes, I'm out of here. And he runs off to find the chief priests to sell Jesus out. And you know what other gospels tell us he gets? 
a few small coins for his trouble. $44,000 bottle of perfume? Here's like a buck fifty. Thanks for Jesus. I mean, I just think there's something in him that he can't stand this anymore. Judas Iscariot, in that moment, like, why has it happened there? Why not before or after? I know it's God's perfect timing, but that there's something that in this moment, this fragrant offering, he's like, I'm sick of it, man. And maybe it's because, you know, they're like nickels and dimes. I don't know how much is in the treasury. Judas is the treasury keeper. We know that, right? But I don't know what's going on. But he immediately goes out, and he finds the chief priest and tells them, I'll give him over. Look at 11. The chief priests were delighted. They were tickled pink. We're so glad you came, Judas. And they promised to give him money. And so Judas began to watch for an opportunity to hand over Jesus. Their plan is working, right? This moment of worship and of blessing is turned into a moment of absolute betrayal. I don't want any part of this. This woman shouldn't be in here. That was a waste. You know what I think the, tr the sad truth is? I think the whole help the poor thing was a sham. I think they were more like, we could have used that nard. What about us? Maybe you give a little of that to me. And in Judas' heart, that's all it took. That's all it took. Listen. This is the fundamental betrayal of God. And I don't mean Judas Iscariot betraying Jesus. I mean man's tendency to be displeased when God is honored and we are not. What about us? The fundamental fall of man. Just taste it. You can be like God. He's afraid of that. He doesn't want you to be like him. And Judas just lives out the sin that we all have in our hearts. I don't know where you are in your life, but I want to tell you what I've come to know from Scripture. That God made everything, including you, and that He has plans for you to be a worshiper of Him. His desire is for you to know Him. And what I believe is that we continue to reject Him. We just reject Him. We ask that God would intervene in that way in your life and continue in mine that we might not reject him, but accept him. So here's a question. What's your alabaster jar? It's a dangerous thing. What's that thing that you go, I love Jesus, but this is too much. I love him, I don't love him that much. It's a, it's a dangerous thing, honestly, because the moment we reveal that to our own hearts, we have to begin to offer that to Jesus. Jesus, this is yours. It's not mine. And it puts us in the right position before him. What are you afraid of that if you poured out all that you had for the glory of Jesus, you would be left without? Because that's really what it is. And I guess more importantly, if we lived in that space of just pouring it out for Jesus— how much better life would we have? Not just life now, but life forever. I don't know what those answers are for you. I know I've got some of my own. But I'm asking us to pray together that God would um, continue to be graceful to us, but move us toward him in this way. Pray with me if you would. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much uh, for your scriptures that testify to the glory of your son, Jesus. 
and our sinful tendency um, to reject him, uh, to deny, and to not uh, just submit and offer things to him. Father, for, um, for, for as much as this is a message from you to your people, I pray that it be blazoned on their hearts, that they would have been taught by you and not by me, that your spirit would have just made it make more sense, to ma- matter more, because it's from you. I pray that if it was just of me, it would fall away. We do not need man's teaching. We need your Holy Spirit to transform our lives. I pray that that might happen for your glory and for our good. I pray that we would be obedient, quickening obedience. And I just pray a prayer of thanks for this woman who gives us a testimony of what it looks like to make offering and worship you. We love you so much. We thank you for all you've endowed us with. And we pray that we would have the privilege of pouring it back. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.